Welcome into the Lying Truth Podcast. I am your host, David, and I'm offended, and you can be offended too. <laughs> and I'm also one of your hosts, Robert, and I'm not allergic to peanuts. All right. Hey there, I'm Brian, and I'm one of your hosts tonight. I'm going to say that I am pumped. All right. Well, since I was the most negative, let's go with the most positive. Let's go with pumped. Okay. What's up, Brian? Well, I'll tell you what, I've kind of been taking control lately. Uh, I got, uh, I reached a new goal for my weight this morning, actually. I've been getting up at 5.30 and going for walks and going to the gym. And I'm just feeling really good that I'm taking control and, and getting things done. That nice. is awesome. I love nice. to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And David, uh, first from perspective, Brian lives in Anaheim Hills and it is aptly named. I don't think there's a level street in his neighborhood. I love hills. I I, I tell you yeah, what, I, I had some hills in Goodlettsville back there behind Publix. And I thought I had hills there. But like here now that I'm actually living in Anaheim Hills, like <laughs> there is a difference. And uh, but I do. I love I love walking and hiking hills. Yep. The hills here make you not even want to check the mailbox. It's crazy. <laughs> I just have a slight slope to walk up to my mailbox, but I usually check it as I'm driving in. So I just, right. yeah. <laughs> now that's awesome, Brian. That's really cool. You know, last Thank year you. I did a, I did a thing with 75 hard and I, it was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life, but it was so worth it, not just physically, but mentally. And yeah. so yeah, anytime you take control of your physical and emotional and spiritual self is very gratifying. Yes. I tell you what, I, I know I've heard several people say that progress equals happiness. I know Tony Robbins says that and I've heard other people say, I don't know who said it first, but I will say I have absolutely felt that in my life. Like when I'm, when I'm spinning, like for, for, for years, my weight stayed the same, no matter, I would try to lose weight, try to lose weight, try to lose weight. And it would just stay the same year after year. And it was so frustrating. And, but then I've just found no matter what it is, when I'm starting to make progress, it just makes, I just, it, it just makes me feel so good. Yep. Yeah. So what is it, it in our brains? What's, was it uh, the, uh, is it dopamine or the endorphins or something that really yeah, gets what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. All those, all those. And it's, and it's, and it's weird too, because like, uh, uh, even this week, like I've been, I've, uh, working on a new website and, and, uh, I got it one morning and all I did was write a very short, like, basically five sentence bio for my website. And it was the first morning that I got up and worked on my website. And I just like, I felt like king of the world that day. I was like, that's that little <laughs> bit of progress. I was like, I was on top of the world. So it doesn't even take that much. It's just like, even a little bit of progress goes a long way. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Robert, what's up with the peanuts? I was just, I was thinking about it the other day. That, um, somebody mentioned being on an airplane and we used to get peanuts on an airplane. You can't get peanuts on an airplane anymore because somebody on the airplane is allergic <laughs> They said they should just start just serving pretzels only, like not even bother bringing the peanuts out. And uh, I was at Firehouse earlier this afternoon ordering dinner for the family. And uh, I just overheard the lady behind me say, uh, you know, she didn't want cheese on her sandwich and purposely right behind us said, you know, I'm allergic. And, uh, wow. you know, and nothing against her at all. I just I don't think I don't think I've ever been allergic to anything in my life, you know, other than sudden stops at the end of a fall i'm pretty allergic to those yeah those those but, don't feel good <laughs> right but um you know no no food allergies no medical allergies anything of that nature so uh and and you know there was a time when we were growing up we didn't know what a peanut allergy was no now it's and now it's mm -hmm. prevalent uh you know we mm -hmm. were trying to buy snacks for for connor because they're actually getting to go back to actual school 
uh, and go to the building and meet the classmates that he hasn't met all year. <laughs> so they're actually, you know, putting snacks together to take the school and, you know, we're walking around Target or whatever, buying snacks. It's, well, we can't buy that. It's got peanuts. Can't buy that. It's got peanuts. And mm-hmm. our son doesn't have a peanut allergy, but there are, you know, people in the school who do. They may not even be in his class, but they're in the school. So you can't have peanuts at the school. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's wild. Know, allergic. It's it so is. wild. I mean, I tell you guys, the, the very first time my eyes were open to that was – Many years ago, I was um, my daughter was in second grade, and she's an adult now. But that's how long it's been. But I was just totally unaware of this peanut allergy thing. Just, I mean, no, no sense of it whatsoever. And I was going to be a, a camp counselor at church camp for the kids, mm-hmm. and I had second grade kids, and we're loading the buses up. The kids are getting on. Everybody's excited, and this mom comes up to me and she hands me this EpiPen. And she says, my son, if if he has a, a reaction, you've got to hit him, you know, in the leg with this EpiPen. And I'm like, what <laughs> is this madness? Go give this to the nurse. The nurse should have this, not me. She said, no, right. you have to have this. Yep. Because if it happens and the nurse isn't around, you've got to do it. And I'm like, what? I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I mean, I was totally unprepared for that. Yeah. And. The nurse came over and she talked to me. She's like, yeah, here's what you have to do. You have to carry it with you at all times. And if this happens, you have to you know, put it on his leg and just click it. You don't have to stab him. Just put it on his <laughs> leg, click it. I'm like, oh, I can do that because I don't like needles. I don't yeah, like I needles at all. The thought of giving someone a shot. Yeah. Just I get cold chills. I, I cannot think of putting a needle in someone. I, I just yeah. can't. I'm, I, I'm thankful that people can. I'm very thankful that those people are out there and you are heroes in my book because I can't do it. And so when she said, just put it in his leg, click it. It's just, you know, it's like pricking your finger. And I'm like, Oh, well I can do that. But I was yeah. totally caught off guard. I didn't even realize this thing was, was so, so prevalent. And now, you know, now my son is in high school. He can't take it in his lunch. He can't take peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, that's a staple in my house. You can't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. We, would, we had that briefing every year uh, for camp. Like you said, uh, it became a briefing every year. They would have the nurse come in and she would tell all of the adults, all the counselors that were going, everybody how to operate an EpiPen. So because you're going to have somebody around you that's in your group or in another group that's that's going to have an EpiPen. So you need to know how to use it. And it's just, it's just crazy, you know, and they, they would tell us, um, you know, we would have kids over for Quest and, we, we, you know, that's just, that was an event at church where kids would come stay at your house for a weekend uh, and you would do, you know, ministry work and go do projects or whatever. And, and, and they were like, you know, you need, need to make sure you don't have peanut allergies. And I'm like, you need to make sure a kid doesn't have peanut allergies because if he comes in my house, it's a death trap. Like there's, <laughs> yeah. there's peanut stuff, all, there's, there's peanut butter and, and there's cookies that have peanuts in it just, you know, please don't send a kid with allergies to my house because it's mm-hmm. just going to be a war zone all weekend. Yeah, this. So we have a, a, a young man who's been to our house several times. He's one of my son's friends, and he actually went on vacation with us last year. I just found out a couple of weeks ago he has a peanut allergy, and I'm like, right. wait a minute. He's been coming to our house for years. He went on vacation with us. Mm-hmm. How do we get around this conversation? You know, why right. do we not know that? And you know, my wife said, well, I knew that. And I said, when were you going to tell me? I didn't know. <laughs> but this this young man has been at our house several times. And, I mean, he's been with me. I mean, I could have totally just 
not even thought about it, but he's not, right. he's not so allergic that he can't be around it. It's just if he ingests it. Gotcha. So there are people out there who can't even be around it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I hate it for those folks because peanuts is it's just one stuff. of the most amazing things ever mm-hmm. on the planet. I'm with you. I love peanut butter. Peanuts, you know, you said you butter. couldn't give somebody a shot. I couldn't give somebody a shot. But I I know as a as a teenager, uh, I would not have had an issue uh, sticking one of my friends as a joke. But <laughs> but if it count if it counted, that'd be different. It's like if your life depends on it, I don't want to be that guy. But you know, I can make you jump a little bit and just stick you with the you know a stick pin or something and put a tack in your seat, something of that nature. But it's the it's when it counts and you're applying medication because it you know it may help save their life. You get a little get a little nervous. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I was a medic in the Air Force, and when we were when we were training to give shots, we practiced on oranges first, and then when we went to the actual person, we were like we we're like giving shots to classmates, and I had this girl, and I was so timid with sticking this needle in her arm that like I was I tried to like I tried to stick it in her arm, and she had tough skin. And then I was like freaked out. And then so I ended up like jabbing her like two or three times just to get the needle in once. And so I felt so bad. But but yeah, it. I, I remember starting out with needles. It was difficult. I just think about it. So I'll, I'll get a little graphic here with you. My wife had to go give blood mm-hmm. uh, like last week or week before last. And she's talking about how they couldn't find her vein. And she says, yeah, they, they stuck me here. And they had to dig around, and then they stuck me here. And then they finally had to get somebody else, and they come in, and they just dug and dug and dug. And I'm like, stop, please, just stop <laughs> yeah. talking. Just they got your blood. It's I'm good with that. Just stop. <laughs> I don't. I can't hear that anymore. Uh, and every time she said they dug around looking for a vein, I'm like, oh, ah, oh, please, yeah, no. Oh yeah, that's that's painful. I, I I just I can't even think. That's one of those things too. I know when I give blood, I you can see my veins, right? They're, they're you know nice and 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 blue and you can see them through the skin. So it's like, if, if they miss when they go to give blood, it's like, you, you should probably not be doing this. Cause I've, I've, it's clearly marked right here. You can, you can see it plain as day. If you miss that, then you should probably be in a different line of work. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, I've, I've got a whole new respect for you. If you were able to accomplish giving somebody a shot, I just, Oh, well, oh nice. Tough. Gosh, yeah. it's such a tough thing for me. Yeah. It was tough starting out. Well, let's guys, let's jump into a couple of questions. I know Robert, you've got some questions prepared for us, and then we'll jump into a topic that uh, you guys may find interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to hear that. So, uh, and I sent these to you guys earlier today because I didn't just want to dump them on you. Uh, I appreciate little, the heads up. <laughs> yeah, give, you, give you a little bit of heads up. Um, I appreciate the heads up, but I was so busy today that I really didn't even get a chance to think about it. So <laughs> it's going to be off the cuff for me. <laughs> All right. Well, since we since Brian uh, has the heads up, we'll start with Brian. So okay. Uh, you know, on the musical thing, most people you know tend to remember their first concert and. You know, with COVID being what it's been over the last year, concerts are something that we simply haven't been able to go to. And I know, Brian, you lived in Nashville for a while. David's still in that area. You know, concerts are constant. Like, if you can't find live music in Nashville, you ain't you ain't trying, right? You're, you're probably below ground if you can't find live uh-huh. music in Nashville. So for sure. I wanted to see what your uh, first concert that you could remember, uh, what your favorite concert has been, and then if there is a concert that you either wish you could have attended or one that you still want to go to, what, what are those concerts for you? 
All right. Well, I grew up in West Tennessee, so I was two hours outside of Nashville growing up, and then I joined the military right out of high school. So uh, I really didn't go any any concerts growing up. I was thinking, I just now occurred to me, however, I was thinking my first concert was in Northern California when I, uh, me and Bobby were married, living up in Northern California, and our first concert was Alanis Morissette. And I, I've always thought that was our first concert until you were just talking right then. And then I, d- I do remember in high school, Vanilla Ice came to, I think it was Martin. <laughs> I think it was Martin. And we like, we like, uh, we like ran into him in like a Wendy's parking lot. And he, he, you know, he was still like just getting started. He was like, did right. you guys, did you guys really like it? Did you really like it? And so, but um, yeah, so I, and actually, I'm not even sure if I went to that concert. Maybe I just may have just like remember running into him in the in the Wendy's parking lot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and stick with my original. That uh, the first real concert we went to was Alanis Morissette in uh, probably Sacramento. Was that Jagged Little Pill? Yes, Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, favorite concert I've attended was a few years ago up in Indiana at Holiday World. It was so cool. We saw. Uh, we saw David Crowder and Newsboys out in the middle of a cornfield. It was just like, <laughs> it was just so cool to be just like totally out in the middle of nowhere in front of a stage, just totally rocking out. I mean, it was, it was just really cool. I just like the the whole scene there it was just really cool. See, that's nowhere to you, but that's Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then concert, I wish I could have attended or still want to see. I was really thinking hard about this and uh, I thought kind of long and hard about it for several hours today. I, it's kind of weird. I don't, I really had a hard time like coming up with somebody that I would just like really die to see. I'm going to say, I ended up coming up with, I'm going to say totally out of left field here, the soggy bottom boys. (laughs) (laughs) I think they'd be, that is left field. I I think they'd be a lot of fun. I, I love their music. What was the what was their main song? Uh, 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 Man of Sorrow. Man of Sorrow. Man, Man yeah. of Constant Sorrow. Man of Constant Sorrow. Yeah, I I uh, I love their performance in the movie, and uh, and I think they'd be a lot of fun to see. Musically, they're great. Um, <laughs> I have that soundtrack. Yeah, I have, that, for, I have it too. I, I think I have Man it on CD. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, hey, it's there is a lot of good songs on there. There a is lot of, a lot of good classic old songs. Yes, a lot, a lot of good bluegrass, and I know bluegrass is an acquired taste. Yes, um, especially if you're outside of the the bluegrass belt. If you're outside of Kentucky uh, and Tennessee, uh, bluegrass is definitely an acquired taste. But I'm, yes. I'm gonna tell you when it when it kicks in, something stirs inside me that it's uh, I, I really enjoy it. I really do, and my family just kind of twinges, you know. <laughs> <laughs> When they hear cringe, they when they hear it, but it's I, I love it. I'm really not like into a lot of bluegrass, honestly, but I do I do like uh, the music from this movie. Yeah. So, David, you got some, or you want me to go? I've I've got something, but uh, all right. So let's 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 talk about this. Uh, the very first concert I can actually remember anything about was I I was a tiny boy, but I can remember this like yesterday. But I only remember portions of it. So my dad was a big Alabama fan and not the Crimson Tide football fan. I'm talking about the band, the country music band, Alabama. 
Talking about Randy Gentry and the boys. Randy Gentry, yeah. There was a place in Kentucky in Bowling Green called Beach Bend. Mm -hmm. And Beach Bend was uh, famous for a couple things. Wrestling. And and I said it right. Wrestling. Wrestling with an A. And (laughs) and then also drag racing. But they would also have concerts in in the late 70s, early 80s as well. And Alabama was there. And so my dad, we all went to see Alabama. I can remember it. I can't remember them playing or anything as I was just a, 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 you know, a young, young boy. I guess one of the first concerts that I really remember, and you guys may laugh at this, I've been trying to look it up who all was with them, but it was, I remember it was CNC Music Factory, mm-hmm. Salt and Pepper. Oh my gosh. R. <laughs> Kelly and somebody else. I cannot remember who else was with them, but it was, it was kind of like four or five different groups. Right. And the funny thing is, I can remember, you know, going to that concert and it was all the different ones. And of course, during that day and age, I had was one focus on my mind was, you know, ladies around mm-hmm. me. Yes. Uh, but the funny thing is, after my wife and I started dating, she's like, I was at that concert. And I was like, really? <laughs> she's, yeah, I was there. So that, that was funny. <laughs> What's your next question, Robert? What was it? Favorite concert. Favorite concert. Wow. Um, I don't really know if I have a favorite concert. I like them all. And I really do mean that. I, 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 I can't really remember a concert that I've been to that I've been disappointed. And I, I'm, I'm glad of that. But mm-hmm. I, I don't really know if I have a real favorite. I mean, everybody that I've listened to has, has been really good. And I'll say, one of the, I'll say this. Some of the, my favorite concerts are those that you go to a place and they've got live music that you didn't expect to be there. Yeah. And living in Nashville, you get that all the time. You're right. Yeah. You can't throw a stone without hitting somebody that plays a guitar and sings. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's true. They may not be famous, but they they can play a guitar and sing. So right. I think for me, some of the most enjoyable times is when you just go to a place and, oh, they've got live music. And you walk out of there going, man, that guy or that girl was really good. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's yes. the ones I think I enjoyed the most. I, yeah. I, I will tell you, there's a little there's a little place that's off the river here. I'm, I'm not going to name it, but there's a little place that's off the river here, and they have this stage that is made out of an old um, kind of an outbuilding, mm-hmm. but it's open on one end. And there was a guy there playing acoustic and singing. This was a, probably a couple of years ago. And we didn't expect him to be there. And man, he was just so good that we actually sat there much longer than we, we anticipated. We just were going for dinner and we wound up sitting there for several hours just listening to this guy because he was so good. Those, Those to me are my Those favorite. Those are good nights. Yeah. yeah. You just reminded me of uh, one night we had dinner up there on the, on the square in Gallatin uh, at a barbecue place that had live music and the guy up there that night, just, just him and his guitar. And it was so good that, uh, it, it was just so enjoyable, like you said. That's the thing about Nashville. You know, if it, you know, out here in the Hollywood area like we are, everybody's an actress or an mm-hmm. actor, right? If you move into Nashville, everybody there seems like they can play something or sing. And mm-hmm. so uh, I don't think there's a single church in Nashville where if you were to go there and listen to the worship, he'd be like, man, they're terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Everybody there is, is is in some part of a band or had a record deal at one point, yep. or you know that's it's amazing. 
Or let's, let's be honest. Yeah, well, let's be honest here. Some of the churches who don't have people will hire them to come in yes. and say, "Hey, uh, can you please come sing over here, please?" Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yeah. So that so you can come here in Nashville and make a living doing that as well. There is no mm-hmm. lack of talent. In no. Nashville. So the uh, last part of that, David, concert you wish you either could have seen uh, or one that you want to see. Well, I think on our last podcast, I talked about I really wish we, I could have seen the Johnny Cash and Elvis and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. That, I thought about that. I, I'm not I'm not going to go with that one, but there's one that I've really been wanting to go see. So I'm going to and just thought of this when we were talking about the bluegrass and this the different styles of music. Mm-hmm. I have fallen in love with a band called the Turnpike Troubadours. Okay, and when we can. Uh, and they start touring again. I'm going to go see them. And then there's another country band that I really want to go see called Midland. Okay. Yeah, I've, I know them. Their their style and their music is a, is not your typical new country style. So I kind of like that. I kind of that dig means that. I would probably like them. <laughs> yeah, Midland. They're they're really good. Um, yeah, I know. I've heard a couple, at least a couple of their songs. I know. Yeah. So those are the two Turnpike Troubadours. And Midland. So anybody who hasn't listened to them, do. Turnpike yeah. Trooper. Have you meant? Did you mention those last week? Did you mention them? No, I did not. They sound vaguely familiar. I'm trying to figure out if I've heard some of their music. I'll be looking them up. What style of music is it, David? <laughs> it's a mix between a country, bluegrass. They're not full bluegrass. They're not full country. It's a gotcha. mix. It's kind of a, a good mix between them. It's got a good. It's kind of noise. It's just. A, it's just one of those. It's one of those, Robert, where you just said, I turned it on. My wife and my kids look at me and go, what are you listening to? And I said, just listen. Listen to the lyrics. Listen. Just right. Listen. It's, it's really good. I'm telling you. But, yeah, that's that's the ones that are on my mind right now. Nice. Yeah, there's a – there's a uh, Dalton, my oldest, you know, like I told you all last time we were talking about music, he'll, he'll come up with some bands that are kind of out there, uh, and they're good bands. Uh, and some of them are more mainstream than than i'm aware of when and by the time i get to them they're you know they're more mainstream colony house is one that's a really good band that you know he turned me on to there's another one out of uh they went to if i'm not mistaken he went to hendersonville high school uh and it's like an eight or nine piece band i think they're called the broomsticks um hmm. very it's it's very eclectic but musically it's great they've got horns and strings and just, it's just a, a great band vibe and and they're really good but uh, I will definitely be looking up the Turnpike Troubadours in Midland to see what they are, and I'm always up for music that annoys the family. So, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. Turnpike Troubadours will do it, but you'll love it. Now, I I had a couple of my buddies that I I turned them on to them, and they they've just like, oh my gosh, these guys are great. So awesome. I will definitely be looking them up. So, um, so for me the. First concert that I that I can remember going to, paying money for a ticket and going to. I was in high school, probably senior year, uh, and there was a band going around named Driving and Crying, uh, and hmm. I still I still play some of their music. It's it's turn it up loud type music. It's a, a southern rock vibe. Uh, they had a couple couple hits. I don't think any of them were number ones by any means, but they were uh, they had a couple good hits. And I want to say I was a senior in high school because I'm pretty sure I saw one of my English teachers at the same concert. It's a lot like a Jimmy Buffett concert where there was uh, there was a certain cloud in the air. So even if you weren't trying to partake, <laughs> you, you, had, you had a little contact high. 
so that, that's the first concert I can remember going to. And I've been to, you know, quite a few. Like David was saying, some of the some of my more favorite ones are the unexpected ones. We were in Tootsie's in Panama City, hmm. not not the one in Nashville, the one in Panama City. Uh, and there was a band there, and they were they were a great band, and they were doing all kind of different music, uh, and, you know, country. But the lead singer had a fantastic vocal range, and he could cover several different types of artists and and sound great doing it. And it just so happened that one Mr. Doug Stone was in the bar that night. Um, he was in town playing somewhere else uh but he just happened to be in tootsies that night hanging out and doug stone got up on stage uh did better off in a pine box and uh and one of his other songs and that was just that was just a really cool night it was unexpected my favorite concert that i've ever been to y'all know i'm a fanboy for garth brooks Mm -hmm. we went to his concert in atlanta in the 90s and he just put on an absolute show and he admits that he stole his show from chris ledoux uh, Chris Ledoux another another one of my favorite artists uh, mm-hmm. just to go back to and, and play uh, very high energy. Uh, his song, This Cowboy's Hat, love that song. Mm-hmm. Um, but Garth Brooks put on a flat out show. And this is back when he was selling out venues. Uh, they would put his shows on Ticketmaster and he would sell out venues three, four, five nights in a row. Mm-hmm. Sell them out in 15 minutes. You just you you stood in line forever to get tickets. And then, and, and it would just sell out as quick as they could print the ticket. They're selling them out. And we went and seen him in Atlanta. It was a beautiful, I mean, just an amazing night. He just, so much energy coming out. Uh, you know, I really loved the songs. I uh, was really big into the songs at the time. So I'm screaming and singing at the same time. And, you know, then he comes out, <laughs> comes out and does the encore, you know, and he does more songs and the band comes out. And then at the end of it, you know, he's done the, he's done the full concert. He's done the encore and done several songs. It was like a mini concert. And then everything dies down. You think everybody's getting ready to leave. He walks back out on stage by himself with just his guitar, sits on the end of the stage. And then they got a little thing that comes out into the crowd. He sits on the end of the stage and he's like, hey, the band's tired, but I'm not. Y'all want to keep playing? And he just <laughs> he just sat there and played some played some songs. Uh, and not even his songs. Uh, you know, he covered American Pie and a few others. And that to me was the best concert uh, that I've ever been to. A lot of memories around that night. Yeah. Uh, we went and seen Pink in Atlanta. Angela's a huge fan of Pink. And she uh-huh. puts on a she puts on a show. I mean, uh-huh. she, she's a flat out showman. Reba McIntyre puts on a really good show. Uh, I think she changes her outfit with every song. I was thoroughly confused. Oh, wow. Uh, but you know she's Reba. She can do that. She's a, she's a, a queen and a diva. She can do that if she wants. <laughs> you know, so she can come out and and do it and love her music as well. And then one that I wish I would have seen. And and there's a lot that I wish I would have seen. And moving out here to California, obviously, you know, in the area that we're at, you're around Hollywood Bowl and and you know the Coliseum and all these great locations out here. We were at, at work one day talking about concerts. And I had mentioned a couple that I'd been to. And one of the ladies that has since retired has lived in this area her whole life. And she's like, yeah, back in the day, I was at Hollywood Bowl. I saw, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. I'm like, shut up. Like, like, come I, on. I, I can't mm. even compete with that. Like, you saw them live in their prime. I, I can't I can't compete with that. But there's a uh, there's a uh, there's a double CD set that I have of Dave Matthews live at Red Rocks. Mm-hmm. And. I absolutely love that concert. 
Uh, love that CD set. There's a version of All Along the Watchtower at the end of that concert that is my favorite version of the song. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's better than Bob Dylan's. It's to me, it's better than Jimi Hendrix. And I know that's, you know, heresy in some people's eyes, <laughs> but the, the way that he redid it and, and tuned it up and the atmosphere of being outside at Red Rocks. Uh, and if you don't know, it's, it's just beautiful outdoor amphitheater that the natural acoustics, because of the way that it just, the way that God designed it and built it there, it, it just provides such a beautiful atmosphere and the acoustics are amazing and what they what his band did because he does not have a small band what his band did with that song and several other arrangements but especially that song at the end building it the way they did and everything just flowing out of that big you know natural amphitheater i wish i could have been there on that night because i still that's that's a cd set that uh, when I play it, the, the windows have to be down, the radio has to be up loud, and I got to be going down the road because I, I, it's not a sit in traffic kind of kind of vibe. You'll <laughs> you'll run the guy over in front of you to, to keep going, but that those are those are mine. I There's a song I want you to listen to for your highway for your highway going down the highway. If you like if you like southern kind of southern rock, these guys aren't from the south, but their music sounds kind of southern rockish. It's called, they're called Greta Van Fleet. I've you ever heard, heard of them? them? Yeah. Listen mm-hmm. to Highway Tune and just be ready to drive. <laughs> ready I got to start drive. taking some notes here. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up my notes on on, uh, on my phone and like, okay, I need uh, Greta Van Street. No, Greta, Greta Van Fleet. Close enough. <laughs> Greta Van Fleet. Well, well, yeah, that's what it's called, Highway Song? Highway Song or Highway okay. Tune. How we tune. Yeah. All right. And I'm, I'm going to go underneath that and add the turnpike troubadour. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing, Robert. So for all you listeners out there, you know, if you've heard of them, drop us a line. Tell us what you think of them because I think they're fantastic. Uh, also for turnpike troubadours, if you've heard of them, if you haven't heard of them, or if now we've told you to listen to them and you did, drop us a line. Let us know. You can find us on any of our Social media platforms, uh, Instagram is probably the best to do. And it's so funny to say that when we started this podcast, that was the worst thing to do. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, I mean, it really was. We couldn't figure out how to post on there and get stuff on there. And nah, and, and, and again, like David said, listen to it and and drop us a line on what you think about it. And you know, the same thing. Drop us a line on what your uh, what your favorite concert was and who it is that you want to go see. And we'd love to have that conversation. Absolutely would. Okay, guys, I've I've got a story here that I found. I found right. it today, but it, it goes with the story that's been circulating. You know, of course, being in Nashville, you you hear a lot of um, country music artists are here, see things that happen to them. And of course, this artist is a, a large name artist who's had the number one album for the last ten weeks. But a few weeks back, recording artist named Morgan Wallen had been out on a, I guess a seventy-two hour drinking binge. And when he mm-hmm. came home, he was getting out of the car and he used a racial slur to his buddies who were leaving. And of course, him being a celebrity, you are getting filmed all the time. Someone was filming him. And so it came out and he he immediately was canceled by the radio stations, by streaming services. Um, his record label suspended him. And so I'm, I'm, that's not really the story that I want to talk about, but it goes with this story. Okay. 
So I'm, I'm not going to get into I'm not going to get into what he did, but I'm I'm going to talk about a an artist whose name is Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen is an African American country music singer who was on a podcast with Bobby Bones, and he had he was asking him some questions, and I, I read the article. I'm not going to go through the entire entire thing, but here's here's the part I want to ask you guys about. This is says, how does Jimmy feel about all the white people? who say they were offended by Morgan's use of the racial slur. Here's his answer. That's kind of really kind of rubbed me the wrong way a lot of times, where I saw white people tweeting, I'm so offended. I can't believe that you would do this. I'm so hurt. You're not hurt. That word doesn't bother you. Now, if people would have said, I don't agree with this, he shouldn't have used that. It's a, it's a wrong word to use. That's one thing. But when people start to use words like offended, that word offended is weird to me because my grandfather told me at a young age, when someone says to me, when someone says something to someone else, not directed at you, that doesn't affect you, the only way you can become offended is if you are so self-absorbed and you make something about you that is not about you. Now, you can be like, man, you shouldn't say that, bro. Like, it's not a good look. Don't use that word. It makes all white country artists look racist. You know what I mean? That's one thing. But don't say you're offended. The extra stuff, I feel like people just want to be seen. I feel like sometimes people just want to be in the spotlight. You know what I mean? With the extra hurt. In the midst of this, since you're so hurt by this word, how many black employees do you have? How many black communities have you gone into and done work for? Have you reached out to Morgan and talked to him? A lot of times it's just nonsense to where people want to look cool on social media. Man, I read that and I thought, wow, there you go. Because I'm just going to go out here, dude. I see people say, oh, I'm so offended. I mean, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I just want to tweet. I'm offended. I'm all, I'm offended. Because so many people just want, I think he hit the nail on the head. I think what he just at the end of what he says, I feel like people just want to be seen. I feel like sometimes people just want to be in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And he said that about how many white people are saying they were offended by what the racial slur that was used. What do you guys think of that? There's a lot to that. Oh, there is a lot to that. And, uh, that's you know that's, that's, that's something you got to chew on and marinate, you know, marinate and chew on for a minute. But I can't say that I disagree with a lot of what he said. No. Um, and so you know, I I tell my boys, uh, you know, my boys here, you know, my boys, and the boys that I taught over the years, you can only be offended by that which you give power to offend, because mm-hmm. it's a res- it's a response on your end, right? You give you give the the word the phrase whatever it may be you give it the power to offend you with, with the way that you react to it. I agree with what he says when he says, you know, how, how could you be offended by it? You know, you, you're not offended. You may find it offensive to other people, Yeah, but you're not offended by it. That's like, you know, if, if somebody was to, to hit my kid and I'm, you know, and I say, ow, that hurt. It, yes. No, it hurt my kid. And, and, and I'm going to do something about it but it didn't physically hurt me. So I guess it's kind of along those same lines that he's saying it, you know, it's, you're not offended by it. You're just, you're wanting the attention. You're wanting to join in with the group that says this is wrong. And, and this is offensive and I'm offended by it. It's, and again, it's, 
like we were talking about earlier before we before we started recording, it's it's the language that you use. You know, we kid around a, a, a lot around the house. You know, grammar matters, but it really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's the language that you use, and, and I think that's the point that he was making. You're you're not offended. It's, mm-hmm. it, it is offensive, but you're not offended. I, I, like I said, I, I can't I can't disagree with with a lot of what he was saying. I love what is what he said. His grandfather told him at a young age when someone says something to someone else, not directed at you, that doesn't affect you. The only way you can become offended is if you are so self-absorbed and you make something about you that's not about you. Right. Yeah. Social media has just done that to people because everybody wants to spew their own two cents. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they make generalized statements. (laughs) I know we've had this conversation before, and they'll make a generalized statement. Mm -hmm. And he called him out on that. And I think that is just brave. And I, I, I thought it was so brave of him and, and to, to do that because I mean, he is an artist I mean, he works in an industry that's predominantly the fans are predominantly white. Right. And he's telling them that, you know, when you guys say that you're not offended by that, you just want to jump on the bandwagon. Right. Yeah. I thought it was very brave of him to say that. And, and I, I, I was, I was just, my mouth was kind of open wide when I read it and I thought, wow, it's hard. Like you said, it's hard for you to say, I'm offended by that. But it's not hard to say, how could you be so offensive to people? Right. I agree. Right. How could you be so offensive to your brother? How could you be so f- offensive to your sister? That's one thing. But if you say, I'm offended, I think that's where yeah. he's getting at there. Yeah. I'm offended. Yeah, no, you're not. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how that's possible. Yeah. 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 So I just thought that was a good, a good, um, a good way to put it. I really like what his grandfather told him. I thought it was, it was very uh, wise words that, uh, yeah. that we should, that we should look at and, and not get so offended by things that are happening around us, but look at it in a different view. You know, I have a, I have a little bit different circumstances with, you know, with, with my son, right. You know, who is African. He's American now, but he's really African. Uh, he was born in Africa. Literally. Yes. He, yes. He, but you know, living here in America, he his citizenship he is African American. The difference in the two, right, between saying "I'm offended" or "That's offensive," is the difference between activism and apathy, right? When you when you say that you're offended by something that again has nothing to do with you, uh, like like he was saying that this this does, this not it's not directed at you, so you can't be offended by it. And when you sit there and say, "Well, I'm offended by that." you're actually drawing attention away from what the actual issue is, which is the apathy, right? You're not doing something about it. You're drawing attention away from it as opposed to saying, you know what, that's, that's offensive or, you know, that shouldn't be happening the way it is. Uh, You know, the, the man in the mirror song with Michael Jackson, you know, could it be, you know, that I was deceived, not sending their, not seeing their need Mm -hmm. Uh, because you're, you're so caught up in your own world where the, the, the activism side of that is to say, you know what, this activity, this behavior, whatever it might be, is offensive to, you know, to my brother, right? My human brother, whatever you want to call it, my brother, my sister, my, my fellow human beings. This is an offensive act towards them, and we need to do something about it. That's the difference. When when you jump on the I'm offended bandwagon, 
you're not helping the cause by any means. Uh, you're just muddying the waters and you're not going to get anything done in that way. That's just, you know, I, I, I get completely what he's saying. Like you're, you know, you're not offended by it. You're really not. Um, I, that, I get that completely. Yeah. Because I know people that didn't post the black square that do stuff for the black communities all the time. And I know a lot of people who just posted it because they didn't want to look racist. Right. But they're doing nothing. He says, racism isn't about what you post on your social media for the world to see. It's about who you actually are and what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's impressive. Yeah. I, man, I, I was, I was, I've, I've heard some of his songs before. I'm going to go out of my way now to listen to some more of his music. Uh, yeah. What's his name again? His name's Jimmy Allen. Okay. I'll write yeah. him down too. And he's really, he's really good. And here's, here's something for you guys that I just uh, found out about Jimmy while I was looking. Um, he's done a song with Rita Wilson and Torin Wells and the Oak Ridge boys. Huh. Nice. All in one song. Wow. You know, for those of you don't, that's a mix right there. I'm telling you, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, this is awesome. It's, this is very cool. It's called When It's Over. Rita Wilson. Is, is this she is the over. one that did um, I Have to Believe? Is that her? Uh, I don't know. She's married to Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, no, not the same one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that for a fact. Um, yeah. That's going to bug me now because I have that song on, on – uh, I have that song on my phone. I have it in one of my playlists, um, and that, that's going to bug me. I'm going to have to look it up and see who – and it may be a Rita Wilson. It's just obviously a different Rita Wilson because I know that Rita Wilson that married Tom Hanks is not the one that's doing this song. Um, yeah. And for those that don't know, Torin Wells is a um, Christian music artist. Rita Springer is the lady that I was talking uh, about. Yeah. Was uh, you're Rita close. Springer. Yeah. So, there was a Rita. I was Springer in. Wilson. Yes. There we go. Springer Wilson. Yeah. So guys, I thought that was a, a good story, you know, of, of what Jimmy said. Uh, again, not getting into what Morgan said. He was just talking about how it is, but I, I, I will say that he's like, you know, there has to be some accountability there. He has to have a timeout, uh, he, and you know, he has to have some sort of consequence for his actions. But he also goes on to say uh, in other posts that he's had is that forgiveness is wonderful. And mm -hmm. he, he, so he sounds like a very intelligent, very intelligent young man. So I'm going to actually listen to more of what he has to say and listen to his music. Cool. I had not heard of him before now, but that's a big reason for that is probably because I do not listen to a lot of country music right now. If it's, if it's new in country, good chance I haven't heard it. So, yeah, that's one of the things about Nashville. And plus, you know, just being around the music business and you hear different artists and, I'm always the one that's always putting in the Spotify or whatever I can listen to is give me a mixture. Can you just throw stuff at me? I want to find new stuff. And yeah, I think we've talked about that before. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, we've talked about Beth Moore before on the podcast and mm -hmm. Beth Moore is a, a Bible teacher. She, has been in the Southern Baptist Convention for many, many, many years, decades. 
And uh, she recently said that she's no longer in the Southern Baptist Convention. And when she left, she didn't hold any grudges. She didn't sling any mud. She just said she can no longer be a part of it. Robert, I know that you've seen several things on Twitter, and I think you may have even commented on some. It's just sad for me to see how people have been so bent out of shape and so offended by her over the years. And now it's some people are saying, you know, good riddance. Uh, the SBC is better because she's not there. And some people are just really just saying, see, I told you so. And I don't understand that. I don't get it. Right. I, I guess for me, what really gets to me is why in the world is there so much animosity and uh, mudslinging, I guess is, is what I'm going to call it, which I, it could be, I could say something much worse, but why is that going on in, in the Christian social media world? Why is it so prevalent? I mean, and, and she's just one example, but I mean, I think for now, right, right now, what's going on, she's the highest level of, um, of this example. I mean, there, right. you punch her name in and you're going to see all kinds of rhetoric of Christians just biting each other's heads off over her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And well, she's, so she's a best-selling author for years. Uh, you know, like I said, decades. She's a best-selling author. Got several books out there that are New York Times bestsellers. Uh, you know, when, she's been a staple in women's ministry and churches for years. Uh, Angela has done a couple of her, um, a couple of her Bible studies, uh, and they've been extremely helpful. Uh, you know, helpful in her spiritual growth and her mental growth. I've listened to her preach, and uh, and I have absolutely learned from her. Um, some really cool insights actually into the Bible and into scripture that I've learned from her. I think where, where the issues have come up as of late is we, um, we have a way of, we refuse to learn from history, but we want to keep bringing history back up. We want everybody to forget our history, right? But we have to, we have to continually bring up, the, the bad history from, from other people's past. And, and Brian and I were talking about this the other day, this is kind of something that we fight. Um, you know, we see it out here, uh, being mm-hmm. in Southern California. Uh, and we like to say we brought the Southern to Southern <laughs> California. Um, but it's, it's the, the generalizations and the, the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And when, like it, and, and I kid around and I tell people, you know, since we've been here, I've been having to convince people at work that Sweet Home Alabama is not a documentary, you know, and, um, you know, not everybody is shooting off anvils in the backyard and doing all that, you know, which, <laughs> and, and I, I'm really only half kidding. Um, <laughs> but so, so there are stereotypes that we fight, right? And when you hear in, in this, and this is just going off of, of, of what I've experienced being here uh, and, and just the, the stereotypes. When you hear Southern in this area and you talk about the South and Southern people, it is not the same mindset that we have growing up in the South, right? It's, it's more ignorance, uneducated, you know, backwoods, hillbillies. And that's, you know, that's the... You know, you know, we're, we're all we're all white racists, right? There's there's none of us that have gotten past, you know, the civil rights movement of the 60s that we're all living in that past. And that's, you know, David, you know, there, there, 
there's some people there that are like that, but that is not, that is not the South. And that is not what it means to be Southern, right? We, we are, uh, we are a people who are proud of our heritage and by heritage, we don't mean we're proud to be racist Mm -hmm. because we're not right. We're proud of being from family that is all about hospitality. And it doesn't matter if you're family or not, you're going to have hospitality. That's we're going to welcome you in and we're going to bring you in. And, uh, you know, if, if something goes wrong in your family, if there's a, uh, you know, death in the family or something of that nature, we're going to bring over about 32 different casseroles and take <laughs> care of people. We're going to open doors. We're going to say, yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. And no, ma'am. And no, sir. And it doesn't matter if you're 80 or 30, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we're going to treat you. We're going to treat you with respect and dignity and, and be hospitable to everybody. You know, we're proud of, of the majority of our country roots and, you know, knowing how if, if we were to be put on a farm, we could still survive, right? We, you know, we, we've, we've shucked peas with our grandmoms and, you know, and, and, and peeled taters and made banana pudding and all these different things that we've done. And it's not about, it's not about the bad history of the South. And we don't deny that, right? We don't deny that there's, that there was some bad, uh, some bad things going on in the South. The thing I think that really irritates us being from the South is the rest of the country seems to to think that racism only exists in the South and they wash their hands of it uh, when that is completely not true. Racism has no regional bias. No, it doesn't. Ignorance is worldwide. And that's what racism is. It's ignorance of somebody else's culture and and refusal to accept what they believe or who they are, regardless of you know, skin or you know, and other ethnicity or whatever it may be, that's, you know, racism is ignorance at its core. So when you hear Southern, and I think that's one of the hard things about the Southern Baptist Convention right now, the SBC that you were talking about, when you hear Southern right now, that's the connotation that comes to mind. And the SBC has, you know, and, and a lot of it, um, a lot of it has to do with the last election, Right. There was a ton of evangelists yes. from the SBC that jumped on the Trump train and, and, and wrongly, in my opinion, and not wrong because they were supporting Trump. Um, wrong because of the amount of and, and I'll just say de- to de- uh, well, we'll say idolism that they put on Trump. And, uh, you know, they're they're deifying him and demonizing Biden and, you know, deifying Republicans and demonizing Democrats and, you know, and back and forth. And it just, it boiled. And of course, what comes up when that happens is, well, look at all your history. You've always been a group of racist people and you hate women preachers. And, and that's simply not the case. And the SBC became a political warfare arena mm-hmm. and completely got away from what it's and, and, and not just the SBC. The SBC is just the one right now that's taking the heat. Yeah. The, re- well, the rest of the conventions are backing up and they're, they're taking hands off and going, yeah, you, you guys take all the heat and we'll, yeah. we'll just sit back here and, and hopefully they'll forget all the, the mistakes that we made in the past. Well, some in the Southern Baptist Convention make themselves easy targets. Very much so. And yes. that's that's what happens. And right now you've really got two different factions in the Southern Baptist Convention. You've got those who appreciated people like Beth Moore and appreciate people like uh, the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And then you've got people who just loathe him and loathe her. Yes. And 
And it's sad to me to see that because there's a lot of good that goes on in the Southern Baptist Convention. But what happens is, is you, you get, you get the bad apples who just make it look bad. And again, like you said, you, you see the Southern portion, you see that you, you see that word and people put a, um, put certain stereotypes on that word. And that's not, that's just simply not the case because the Southern Baptist Convention is all over the country, not just in the South. It's origin. Right. Yes. Well, um, and there's a, there was a stat that was put out just recently. Uh, Kevin Ezell, who is, you know, he was our interim pastor there at, at Long Hollow for a while. Uh, he put a stat out recently. 50% of the baptisms in Canada last year were through Southern Baptist Church plants mm-hmm. in Canada. 50%. Right. So it's um, that's that's the part that people don't see. And, and again, it's it goes back to the I'm offended. So you have some people who have done some really stupid things within the Southern Baptist Convention. We, we don't deny that. And we do not deny the history of of, of what happened um, or, or, or our history. But what you see, like you said, you get the factions and you get the people who say we need to do something about this. And then the people who say, yeah, this is we're, we're offended by what's going on, but they don't do anything about it. And then you have the people on the other side uh, who are those idiots that make themselves easy targets and they slam Beth Moore and, you know, the people that support her and, you know, good riddance, go home, you know, whatever it may be. And it, it, to me, it's to me, it's heartbreaking uh, in a lot of ways, and from a missional standpoint, this this is the part where where it really breaks my heart and really gets me. From a missional standpoint, it takes away from what the the Southern Baptist Convention or churches, period, evangelical churches, period, what their mission is is to make much of God, uh-huh. and what's happening right now completely takes away from that, and and I think part of the Part of the fight is those people who want to get back to, we are going to make much of God, right? Uh And then those people who say, well, but you don't have a ton of women preachers or, uh, you know, on the other side of it, you don't, you don't allow homosexuals to be part of your, uh, you know, part of your staff or this, not another. So you hate gay people, which is not the case, you know, and it, it takes right, goes right away from, we need to make much of God. To but what about my cause? Mm. What about this? And and I think Beth Moore rightly walked away from the Southern Baptist Convention. I you know I, I think for her it was the best decision to walk away. It's, it's just like stepping away from a tornado. I think I'm just going to walk away from this for a little while and get away from all the debris that I'm getting hit with, simply mm-hmm. because I'm a woman in the Southern Baptist Convention that does not mind speaking my mind, you know. And, and, and I refuse to step away and not preach and not teach like I've been called to. So I, I think it was right for her to step away. She's really just the, like the, the old WWF, everybody's in the ring fighting each other, right? And we got the, the 20 people in the ring instead of getting thrown out. She's like, you know, I think I'm just going to step out and go watch in the crowd. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it was a good move for her, to be honest. Well, I'll tell you, I, I haven't really followed Beth Moore that much, uh, but... I mentioned earlier that I turned off my Twitter notifications and it was, it was actually due to all the drama in the SBC. It was just like, mm-hmm. it was constantly, it was like constantly these pastors calling out Kevin Azell and 
and this church is doing this and this church is doing that and that doesn't line with our doctrine and they need to be kicked out of the SBC. And I'm just like, right. really? Like, I just, I just got so tired of seeing it. And, uh, and so I, I mean, it, it caused me to turn my Twitter notifications off. I was like, you know what? I don't need this. And, uh, so it, it's really, you know, it's really unfortunate because like you said, we had Kevin Azell as our interim pastor and I know he's a really good guy and the dude's awesome. Yeah. And so, and it is unfortunate, you know, like just thinking about the name Southern Baptist, um, it, it is unfortunate how it's, how it's thought of. I didn't know for a long time that I was part of Southern Baptist church. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I don't, I don't go to a Southern Baptist church now. Right. Um, but for a long time, I didn't know, I didn't know I went to Southern Baptist church. You want to know why? Our pastor never mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Right. He never talked about it. It was not a point of emphasis for our church. Yeah. No, he, he made much of God. Exactly. That's, that's what he was there for. He made much of God. Um, you know, and, and the, the funny thing about the Southern Baptist Convention, and, and many conventions for that matter, is this is just the one that's, the, that's, that's out there in the hotbed right now. Every church within the convention is autonomous, right? They don't answer to the Southern Baptist Convention. And for that matter, with Beth Moore leaving, it's not like she was a, a dues-paying member. She's, I'm going to yeah. disassociate myself with with them, right? It's not like she had to, you know, file some kind of amendum to get out. Uh, it, it just wasn't the case. But the churches within are autonomous. They believe in a certain doctrine, a theology, or whatever, and and they come together and uh, you know they do pull resources within the convention. That's part of of the reason for having it there. You know, we we are part of the gifting of those resources with us being out here. Uh, you know, they help support us mm-hmm. and support churches literally all across the world through the giving uh, that these autonomous churches bring in. So it's, it is it is unfortunate. And again, we talked about it a while back when we were talking about churches or whatever. There's a lot of churches who are uh, either Baptist or Methodist or whatever who take the denominational part of their name away. And now we're just going to be this church or this church. We're not, you know, St. Mary's Road Missionary Baptist Church. We're just St. Mary's Road Church, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To get away from the generalizations and stereotypes that go along with when you hear the name Baptist or you hear First Baptist or you hear Presbyterian or whatever it may be, they've taken that away. Yeah. And in my opinion, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Because the only thing you should be going to church for is to make much of God, to get closer to God. And the business of the church is to reach the lost as the, the, you know, the, the great commission, right. Go make disciples of all the world, not go tell everybody who to vote for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're making them disciples Mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. You're not, you're not doing anything else beyond that. And when that falls into the church, it derails the church from its mission and gets it all focused and, uh, and, and it's chaos. And, you know, we could talk about spiritual warfare uh, and everything that goes along with that. Uh, and I think that's things that aren't, the, it's not mentioned sometimes when, when things like these are happening, you know, the, God is not a God of chaos, but the enemy is. And if he can create disorder and dysfunction, you know, then, then he'll gladly do that. And I think there are, there are factions there are people within organizations that would 
absolutely love to see because the Southern Baptist Convention outside of what's politically in the uh, in the news right now is doing a ton of good stuff around the world. And if if that can somehow be derailed and defamed mm-hmm. uh, because of a political activity, then, you know, the enemy would absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've just over the last five years, I've really lost a tremendous amount of desire to be a part of any denomination. Yeah. Um, simply because I, I just feel like it's, it's, I, I think a denomination is more of a division than it is a, a pulling together. And a lot of people argue with me on that is, well, we pool our resources together as a denomination. Right. And I understand what you're saying, but when you got one side pulling one way and one side pulling the other way, are you really, right. are you really, bringing well, forth unity within the within the bride it. of Christ. Right. Yeah. Think about it. That mirrors, uh, you know, that mirrors what happened in our nation, right? The nation came together originally, originally in the spirit of unity. Yeah. And then as, as resources began to grow, people became power hungry and the division started. And that's yeah. the same thing that's happening in the churches right now. It is. I found a good quote today that I think we can we can take this and this this goes back to um, when I was asking about you know why why in the world do we see so much bashing each other in social media, a Christian or not? Mm-hmm. And I saw this quote today and I thought, man, this is so applicable in social media in life in general. It says this: truth does not mind being questioned. Mm-hmm. A lie does not like being challenged. And so many people, I think when they lash out, their defensive nature comes up because they think they have to defend their position because it, it may not be the truth. The truth really, I think, defends itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, the truth is the truth. Yeah. I've just, I've, I've grown so weary. And I know what you were saying earlier, Brian, about just the strife that goes on with, you know, denominations and Robert, I hope, hope you're okay with me saying this. If you're not, let me know. (laughs) You put it out on Twitter. So I think you're okay with it, (laughs) but I've just personally found it very relieving or I guess I, I just like it when I see you tell a pastor I don't care what the denomination thinks. I care what the Bible teaches. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of having a thought while I go about denominations. To me, they're kind of like more, they're, you know, they're more like human rules and regulations. Seems like they're more human focused than God focused. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's preference here, preference there. You know, if we, and the thing is when you start going, when you get into the, the major doctrinal issues, what we would call salvific, right? Matters mm-hmm. of salvation. Uh, you know, you'll find that we agree yeah. on, on the majority of that, the majority of that doctrine. Uh, I, I think most denominations, Christian denominations would agree when you go through that. It's when you start getting into, uh, and I've been listening to a lot of uh, a lot of different theolo- uh, theologians and stuff lately, people that have, have been to seminary and been to, to schools that I, I'm not even allowed to grace the campus, much less go, <laughs> go to class. 
uh, you know, they start talking about narrative and normative and all these different educated Christian words that to me, again, muddy the waters. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I'm also, and, and David knows this, I'm also one that um, I don't mind poking the bear a little bit in conversation mm-hmm. with people uh, and, and in, in the sense of trying to get them to see their own uh, hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I did this at camp a couple of years ago with some guys that were, you know, they, they tend to put our pastor on a pedestal. And these are younger guys. I mean, early 20s tend to put our pastor on a pedestal. And and whatever the pastor says is, is gold. Well, they didn't grow up the same way that I did. And I, I saw a lot of pastors who preached one way, but then when life hit, their theology changed. Yeah. Right? And we talked about that last week with Brother David. That was not the case with him. His, his right. message never once changed during his, uh, you know, going through cancer and passing his, his message never changed. But so my, my default with any pastor, and I've told this with, with our current pastor, my default is always skepticism mm-hmm. when it comes to pastors. I will, I will follow along with the notes in my study Bible, uh, and, and make sure that they're staying on track doctrinally theology. And I do not have a degree uh, I do not have a seminary. I, I don't have a degree, period. But I don't. I don't have a seminary degree, theological degree. But I have spent every single day for the last six years uh, in the Word of God, and, and I'm not saying that to brag. But I've spent every single day in the Word of God, and and I do a lot of studying on my end because, and I'm not trying to be a pastor. I just think that's what Christians are supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be learning more and knowing more and growing in our faith and our knowledge of God. That doesn't make me want to be a pastor. That makes me want to know more about Christ. So I'm, I'm always skeptical of pastors uh, and God bless them for getting up because that's, you know, that's a tough office to fill. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm always super skeptical of pastors and, and people who put them on a pedestal. And, you know, we had this conversation at camp and we were talking about Calvinism versus Arminianism. And again, these are, these are church terms, right? <laughs> isms. Isms. Yeah. And they fight over them all the time. And, 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 and I, I can, I can play devil's advocate on both sides. And, you know, I, I know enough to be dangerous on both sides and, and kind of aggravate the people who follow either thing. <laughs> and, uh, and this guy, and he was passionate, which I love because he's passionate. And, and as Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. So you can't be dull and make big things happen. You have to have yeah. some passion about it. And, and he's passionate about, you know, well, the, the pastor says this and it's Calvinism and this. And I said, well, you follow Calvin, I'll follow Christ. Yeah. And he's like, and then he stormed off, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't apply. I can't devote my life to a man-made doctrine. Right. Right. Whether it's Calvinism, Arminianism, whatever it is, you be a Calvinist, I'll be a Christian. Right. You yeah. be a Baptist, I'll be a Christian. You be a Methodist, I'll be a Christian. I'm going to follow what I read in the Bible and what it tells me to do. And I'm going to be obedient to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be obedient to what any particular convention or denomination or whatever says. And, you know, one of the young guys in our church, he said this a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it when he said it. He said, you know, I grew up Catholic. And then I started reading, the, you know, the catechisms of the Catholic faith. And they said, if you don't believe all of this and you're not a Catholic. And he said, well, I'm, I'm not Catholic. And I said, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there's just things in there that, that some some denominations teach that are just they're just not there. So I'm, I'm, I'm with David. The, the, the denominations to me serve more, have served more to divide the body of Christ than they have to unify it. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, there's a, there's a huge movement right now within, um, within certain circles to have, you know, multi-generational, multi-ethnic churches. And, and, and to me, that's awesome. And, and it's awesome if you, if you put that out there and you're preaching that, but I've always said you're the gospel that you preach here. If it doesn't work in every church here, or if it, meaning every church in America, yeah. or if it doesn't work, if you can't take the message you preach on Sunday here and take it to, um, to Kenya and preach, it's not the gospel. Yeah. Because the gospel is simple, right? We, we, you know, we convoluted when we put our own anecdotal stories into it and everything else, but the gospel is simple, simple. And for everyone, for everyone, it is, uh, exclusively all inclusive. There's, there's no, uh, there's no membership fees. There's no, uh, there's no requirements. There's nothing in the Bible that says uh, you have to meet a certain standard to come to Christ. Mm -hmm. Coming to coming to Christ and, and, and faith in Christ is the realization that uh, he paid a debt that we can't possibly pay on our own. Uh, and the only way for us to be redeemed is through faith in him and his work on the cross. And I think when you begin to put those denominational lines in there, um, again, you, you take away from the, what the church is, was originally built for. It becomes more about a building than it is a movement. And the church is supposed to be a movement. The, the Greek word for, for church, when, when Jesus looked at Peter and said, on this rock, I will build my church, the word that he used there was ecclesia, which means movement, gathering. It doesn't mean this building of brick and mortar. Yeah, it, It's a yep. building of muscle and bone and, and supposed to go out and move. So that, you know, that's, that's me. And um, David, I'll, I'll say this and I'll let you put it in the notes and then uh, I'll stop rambling for a minute. But, uh, you know, we, we talk about um, sitting down and, have, and having conversation with people. And if you can get away from the mob and into the one-on-one or two or three or whatever and get to know people, you'll realize we all got a lot in common. We face the same battles. We face the same physical f- problems, the same financial issues, mental issues. We all we're, we're all on this spinning on this rock together, you know. When we can get individual conversations like that and get to know people, uh, that's that's a big thing. So I'm I'm going to put this out there to anybody listening, and I have David put my uh, my personal cell phone in the show notes. I live in the Southern California area, uh, work in the Irvine area. Uh, so if you are listening to the show, if you happen to catch this podcast or whatever, and you want to sit down and have a one-on-one conversation, my cell phone will be in the show notes. Shoot me a text. I will, I will gladly sit down and have conver- conversation over coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to do that. We can do the whole social distancing, whatever. I'm not afraid to, to meet a stranger because once you meet a stranger and talk to them, they're not strangers anymore and you're invested. So that, that'll, be the, uh, that, that'll be my ramblings uh, for now, David, on, on that. And, and again, Anybody who's willing to to take that, uh, I, won't, I won't call it a challenge, but anybody who's willing to sit down and have that conversation, I'm I'm open to it. So look in the notes and text me. So let's end with a good note, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So did you hear about the guy who made a fortune investing in Apple? No. Turns out he was insider trading. Trading. Oh, <laughs> insider trading. It, yeah. it took me a minute. It yeah. took me a minute. I'm not going to su- lie. Well, the success... <laughs> The success or failure of a pizza joke is all in the delivery. Delivery. (laughs) (laughs) And do you need to build an ark? I know a guy.
That's it, oh that's my a, gosh! That's definitely a southern thing, because well, yeah. we all know a guy. Yeah. Speaking of your dad jokes, I, I Jaden, uh, probably about six six eight months ago. You know, you know how dads do. We, he, you know, he said he was thirsty, and I, you know, I'm thirsty, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, thirsty, I'm I'm Brian." He's like, he just looked at me, and he's like. Is that a dad joke? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> we had a young lady come to the house the other night and uh, she she came in. She's like, hey, I parked out in the road. Is that OK? I said, no, I need you to go down and park at Kroger. I'll come down and pick you up. She's like, oh, OK, that's a joke, right? <laughs> yeah, <it's> a joke. <laughs> uh, my, my dad had a way of doing that and delivering delivering one liners like that with such a poker face that you just didn't know. Yeah. Right? And as a dad, you get, you know, it's, it's the humor that we get, that we get to enjoy as a dad, but yeah, dad, you're like, that's funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> Other people look at you go, what are you doing that for? Oh, well, uh-huh. Right. Like you're apparently you're not a dad. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, it's been fun guys. Yes. It has. Uh, yeah. So Colin will be back with us soon. And uh, we think, we think Connor uh, will be with us again, and uh, we just like to welcome Brian on to the show with us. Thank and you, Brian. We're glad it's, to have you. Yeah, it's Absolutely. a it's a huge it's a huge uh, pleasure and honor. I, I'm I'm greatly thankful that you guys invite me in and let me be a part. Oh man, we just we, we love what you bring to the table and, and how you just uh, you just come right in with it. So uh, we love it. And uh, you know, you guys being out there in California, man. It's only eight thirty. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hey, but, but you know what, David? It's still only thirty minutes from my bedtime. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an early riser. So, I you're am. an early riser. I'm a night owl. So, yeah, this doesn't bother me too. at all. I can't get my wife to go to bed before midnight. So, no, he, yeah, Brian. Brian is um, he's outnumbered, and, and, <laughs> I am, and, and he knows it. He he's outnumbered, and everybody in that house are, are night owls except him and. I'm pretty sure if we could get Brian away, he may go to bed at eight o'clock for like <laughs> just, just to go. I, I am definitely a night owl. It's nothing for me. I mean, you guys saw last week. Hey, the podcast is done. It's like midnight here. Right. <laughs> but right. that's just me. So I'll probably be doing it tomorrow night. But anyway, awesome. so thank you guys for joining us. Uh, listen, anybody wants to further the conversation, we've had some questions that we've asked you. We have, we've asked for your feedback. Please feel free to go into uh, uh, at lying truth pod on twitter instagram or on facebook as well and give us some feedback you also can go to our website and that website is the lying truth podcast.com it's got some bios on there you can get some information about us uh, learn a little bit more about the crew and then it also has links to previous episodes yes you can always go back and listen to some of our previous episodes wherever you get your podcast and listen, if you guys like what you hear and you want to support the show, we would greatly appreciate that. You can do that in the show notes. You will find us Buy Me a Coffee. And that is a website that you can click on and go to and you can make a donation to the podcast. This helps us with some simple overhead that we have. And if you really like the podcast and you would like to have more conversations with us that are not on the podcast, you can do that by becoming a member. If you become a member, you get one monthly Zoom call with us personally. So if you'd like to do that, we'd love to have you. And uh, I think that's all we've got tonight. Nice. Do you guys have any parting words for our listeners? 
Uh, just a, you know, the only parting word I got is again to go back to, you know, my number is going to be in the show notes. And seriously, I will take up anybody's offer to, to meet. And I will buy you a. You, you can buy us a coffee and support the show if you want to meet and have a conversation. I will buy you a cup of coffee to sit down and, and get to know you a little bit better if you're in the Southern California area. Look us up. Yeah, I'm. I'm right here with Robert too. So, uh, I, I'm willing and able as well. All right, guys. And I'm in Nashville picking and grinning. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. We will talk to everyone later. Have a great evening, day or night, whenever it is you're listening.